Hello, Church family. This is Ezra, chapter 1, part 2. Uh, today we're going to look at um, three lessons, or the first of three lessons, of how God um, is with us during this, uh, during these strange times, um, how the Lord is still working through us. And I want to really highlight um, uh, the, the, how great our God is in the midst of our current day sufferings. Um, so, uh, if you remember yesterday, I, I list out three applicational points of the things for us to think about. The first is God knows the future of His people. Uh, we see this in uh, verse one uh, to three. I'm just going to read through it again, just to, to kind of refresh our mind of what's going on here. Um, chapter one, verse one. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the king stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdoms, and also put it in writing, writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. We'll stop right there. Um, you'll notice, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, this is the first year of King Cyrus. Uh, I said this was around October 12, 539 BC, and uh, this was a, uh, this is only two weeks after um, the Persians uh, just took over and destroyed the Babylonians. Um, and uh, this, uh, and I mentioned how this was a fulfillment. I mean, the name dropping of Cyrus from Isaiah is from Isaiah 44, verse 28. Uh, that was 200 years before uh, Cyrus came into play. Uh, and then in the next part of the verse, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah. This is where I'm going to take some time to actually look through it. Uh, if you have, if you're just listening and you don't have your Bible, that's okay. I'll just read to you the, the, the reference that he's talking about. Like when, when did Jeremiah talk about this? Um, and again, I know and I understand how our Bible is arranged. Uh, but I, like I said uh, yesterday, uh, the major prophets would actually be before the book of Ezra. Um, so, so, you know, that's why I'm like moving forward in the Bible. That's just the way that's arranged. Um, the way the Bible's arranged is not, um, it's not divinely inspired. It's just, it's just categorized based on, uh, well, in our mind, the Western mind, um, Western type thinking, because we think of things more linear and we try to keep things uh, separate in that way. But anyways, this is just a, the major prophets here. So Jeremiah 25, verse 8 to 11, it says this, Therefore, thus says the Lord uh, of hosts, because you have not obeyed my word, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, declares the Lord. Now send to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, will bring them against this land, against its inhabitants, against all these nations around about. All these nations round about. And I will utterly destroy them and make them a horror and a hissing and an everlasting desolation. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, and the sound of the millstones and the light of the lamp. The whole land will be desolate, desolation and a horror, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon seventy years. So again, there's a little backtracking here. Uh, Jeremiah's warning Israel. Um, and the, the 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 remaining two tribes, hey, you need to get your act together. Don't think just because uh, Judah is one of those two tribes that you will be spared. Uh, he warns them that they are going to be put into exile by the Babylonians. And it's amazing that he said exactly 70 years. 
um, Israel obviously did not listen, and the Lord allows this event to happen. And he sovereignly placed it so that the people would be humbled. And if you jump over to Jeremiah 29, verse 10 to 14, it reads this, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I'll bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. Yeah, and this is a reference of, of 70 years. Uh, uh, Jeremiah has prophesied this. They fail to listen. And uh, the downfall happens. And then now we see it uh, fulfilled. After the 70 years, um, again, two weeks after uh, the Persians beat the Babylonians, Cyrus allowed this to happen. And it says the Lord stirred up, in the, stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. So in, in a sense, it was God working through him. And, then the, and at the same time, Cyrus had this desire to do the same thing. This is a, uh, that balancing act between human responsibility and God's sovereign will. And I think it's both. Cyrus was a king that always wanted um, to have some level of um, freedom in the land that he conquered. So he decided, hey, I think I should let, the, let these Israelites have their land back. And um, Ezra here focuses on on the fact that God kept his word. He will bring his people back. And remember, if you're a Jew, and remember, you see the name Cyrus, you must wonder, okay, that means it's going to come soon. And I'm imagining some of the older uh, saints or, or the older Israelites here, they probably wondered, oh, I remember this. I remember, Jer some of them were probably there when Jeremiah prophesied this. I remember that prophet saying that in 70 years we will return and it's actually happening right before their eyes. Verse 2, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia. And just so you know, I think we know this, um, but whenever you see the Lord in all caps, it's, it's the covenant name of God. Cyrus actually uses the covenant name of God. He said, Yahweh, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. And again, this is amazing because he's 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 being used by God. And he I don't think he becomes a worshiper, uh, but he is just still used by God to help serve him. Even though I don't think Cyrus actually does become a believer, um, God still uses um, wicked, evil kings to ultimately fulfill his will. Verse 3, whoever there is among you of all his people, may, may his God be with him. Let him go to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is a God who is in Jerusalem. So he's... Uh, this part here is really showing whoever, this beginning phrase, whoever there is among you, he's, he's speaking to the remnants. He's speaking to them, and it's really God using Cyrus, and he's saying that he hasn't forgotten them, um, and he hasn't abandoned them. Uh, that the things that has been said before, this prophecy of seven years and, and letting them suffer uh, uh, and be humbled for seven years and then bringing them back. And, you know, this is a principle that we can see, that God hasn't forgotten his people back then, and he would not forget us now. God knows exactly how long his people 
is going to suffer. God exactly knows exactly how long our trials are going to be. And it will never be longer or shorter than what God has intended. Um, you and I, whenever we're going through any type of trial, it's a means by, uh, by the Lord to make us more and more like him. Um, it's times like these where we need to think big about our God. And um, because if we think little about our God during these types of sufferings and trials, we'll eventually uh, trust and put our trust in other things. But it's during these times, during the hardest times in our lives, during the time when there is most conflict, the, that's a time where things are never certain. We need to have our absolute certainty in the Lord. We need to think big about our Lord. I'm just going to walk through some text. Genesis 50, verses 20. This is a famous verse. For as for you, you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring me this present result to preserve many people alive. Um, again, this is Joseph at the end after he suffered years of... Um, just being in Egypt, he realizes that looking back, he sees God's goodness. For us, we don't have to go through trials to know that God is good. We can just look to Scripture and see how He's been faithful throughout throughout um, throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament. We can lean into this God because the Bible is a testimony of who God is. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse two. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. See, trials are often a good indicator, and it's really the best way to show what you really love. There are probably a lot of you um, that are listening that has just, just continued to endure and hold on to Christ. But I'm pretty sure there are some that because of this uh, pandemic because of what's going on, see it as an opportunity to kind of leave the church. Um, they don't have any cl- desire for the Lord to, to begin with. Now they just, this just trial just reveals where they put their priority and their love is not in the Lord. Zechariah chapter 13, no, yeah, Zechariah chapter 13 verse 9, and I will bring the third part through the fire, refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them, and I will say, they are my people, and they will say that God, the Lord, is my God. Trials does that. It makes you refined. It makes you grow. It makes you more mature in the faith. Romans chapter 5, verse uh, 34, and not only this, but we also know that uh, we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings forth perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. See, we have to understand that trials, it causes us to grow. Uh, it makes us more like Him. It, ref- it makes us um, really t- uh, takes off. It makes us take off the things that doesn't matter. And it really should redirect our hearts to Him. Romans 8 28, this is a verse that I quote often, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Um, we understand that if we, if we know that God uses all things for our good, for his glory, and we know that his glory is also our good, then they're synonymous. That means that whatever he lets us go through in our life is, is for our good because it will bring him glory. Um, 2 Corinthians 
chapter 4, verse 15 to 17. For all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but through our outer and uh, but though our outer man is dis- decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comprehension. Paul understands this that um, every time he sees a trial, he understands it's making the inner man grow, it's strengthening him, it's making him more dependent on the Lord, it's making him more godly. Um, and uh, just a few more verses for us to, to think about just so that we can hone in on this, rea- on this reality that God is using trials for our good. James chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. We know this. Uh, Consider all joy, my brethren, when you can encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Part of our uh, reality of living in the fallen world is that you will suffer but that suffering, if, it, if you let it happen to you and you're leaning into God, and what that means is, um, what I mean by leaning into the Lord, that means that you, are, uh, um, that you apply God's word the most during those times. But during the times when it's the hardest is when you're praying the most, uh, when you're feeling tempted to sin, that's when you're faithful. Times where you don't want to fellowship, that's when you make time and effort to fellowship. You lean into the scripture. You abide in the word of God. And that's how you mature. That's how you are tested. It doesn't matter how much head knowledge you know about the Lord. This, our church, as the Bible, is known to be a Bible teaching church. But it doesn't matter if we're a Bible teaching church, if we're not a Bible living church. You need to be people that are living things out. And trials are the best ways for which you can, you and I can, can, can be strengthened and to be afflicted so that we can grow to be more like our Father. First Peter chapter 1, verse 7, So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even those tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Your Paul, Peter here is, is just reminding the people that toward the end, you need to hang on. Um, you love a God that you don't see, but is making, but the trials are making you, making Christ, it should make Christ more clearly in, in your, in, in your, in your eyes. You should see him more. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, uh, Jesus speaking to the church of Laodicea. To those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Um, God, God will humble you. He will use every single trial, as, as difficult as it may be, for our good. So what is our exhortation? We know that God is in control of the future for his people. We know that means that the current situation, current trials, is designed for us to grow. See the areas in your life that you can grow in now. Um, when we're isolated, we have, well, that's really our true selves. That's really who we are. And that's the part where it's going to be tested the most. Um, and, the, and my hope for all of us is that by the time when we get to return to be with each other again, that we would be uh, more like our Heavenly Father, more like Jesus Christ, um, um, 
you know, we could serve each other better, that we're, that we're all more mature in the faith because of this. Don't waste your suffering. Don't waste this trial. Um, it would be such a shame after something this big in our life, this big in our lifetime, that you come back meeting each other or being, or going back into the world just as childish as before. And this is a great opportunity for us to be more dependent on the Lord, to pray more, uh, to make time for each other. Allow this event, allow this trial to take its course, take this complete full course so that you can be used by God more, so you can be more effective instruments in the hands of our good God. Uh, That's uh, our first application. God knows the future of his people, and he will allow the trials um, to, to take place so that we can ultimately be more like him. So hopefully we can even be a brighter light in the world. Uh, when this is all over. But we don't have to uh, wait until this is over. We just continue to grow now. I'm sure all of us have sins that we're struggling with now. Repent of those things now while you um, have an opportunity to be away from everyone. Um, see this ch- uh, opportunity to grow and be more like your, our Heavenly Father. That's uh, our first application. God knows the future of his people. Tomorrow we'll look at how God works through his people. Even in very strange times, the Lord will that will prepare his people and, and, and use his people uh, even in very difficult and uh, trying times. I look forward to going over that tomorrow with you guys. Take care.